this is the Lucy Beatrix Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I want to talk about the aftermath of a traumatic event or dealing with grief. Based off of what I know, this is quite a heavy topic. But I found that the thing about losing my dad so suddenly and unexplainably definitely forced a sort of bond with other people who had similar stories of loss. People who I'd known for years, who had suddenly lost a parent or sibling. It's never easy, and when we could commiserate and talk about our experiences, it made us so much closer friends. And it happens. It's just the circle of life. But there are some things that I don't think as many people talk about. And now, being on the other side as someone who has been in a complete state of shock and dealing with this sort of thing, I thought I'd address some of the aspects of coping with death. So the closest thing that I'd ever come to loss growing up was losing my dad's parents, my paternal grandparents, when I was in high school. They both passed away when I was a young teenager and It was totally sad, but they were old and had had uh, health problems for a long time, but also led really long, happy lives. So when they died, it was hard, but not unfathomable. When their son, my dad, died out of the blue 15 years later, that was a whole new level. So here's what happened. And trigger warning if you're queasy or don't want to hear details. My dad had been on vacation with my mom in Florida when all of a sudden in the airport, he took a sip of a beverage he'd gotten at a juice bar there in the airport when he clutched his head and fell to the ground. Of course, my mom was in a state of panic. She didn't know what was going on. But the paramedics got him onto a helicopter uh, from from the airport to the hospital. And it wasn't long before they pronounced him vegetative. His body was alive, but he wasn't home in it. And so they kept him alive on machines for about a day while they did some tests that were kind of inconclusive. I mean, I was told later that he had had what resembled an aneurysm, But when I was home for a funeral a month later, I was told it was something else. A catastrophic explosion of blood in his brain. That's what they said to me. But long story short, it didn't really make sense. So there was a lot of confusion. Here I... His heart... Here I am knowing that his heart was in great shape based on the tests that they ran. And otherwise, he had been doing fine great health, maybe just like pleasantly plumped because he because he was a food critic, but not even terribly out of shape considering when he came to New York City to visit me, he outwalked me across every bridge and around Central Park. So that's when I think something in me changed. This unknown, the confusion of wondering what the hell provoked this and caused my dad to drop dead. So, of course, that image is burned in my head. My sisters all flew to Florida when he was in the hospital 
when they were keeping him alive on machines just so that they could say that they're, they're goodbyes. But as for me, I didn't want to see him like that. The idea of Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest after they gave him the lobotomy, no way. I wasn't going to see that. And then it was all over. He was unplugged within 24 hours of arriving to the hospital and gone forever. But what I didn't know in that moment was how much that visual would screw me up for the next year or so or even until now where I just wonder what happened? Why did his brain just stop? One thing I don't think people talk about but is an aspect of grief is just what happens to the physical person that you once knew and loved. The hospital sent my family a letter that said where my dad's organs were donated since he was a donor. In fact, his father, my grandpa, had had a heart transplant when my dad was my age that kept my grandpa on this planet for a few more decades. So my dad was all about the concept of providing healthy organs to people in need. But this letter read to me over the phone from my mom about his organs being harvested and given away to so many people. I mean, I'm happy, but I was also kind of confused, thinking someone got my dad's eyes. That's one of the donations that I know. They didn't actually list out everything, but I don't like picturing how they got his eyes. But I'm glad because that's what my dad wanted to do. It's just hard to stomach as his daughter. But so as for the aftermath of the grieving process of after he died, when he passed away, I got a bunch of messages from people reaching out and telling me their stories of him since there were so many people he touched and you know, within the restaurant community because my dad was this food food journalist. So he would write about different chefs and different restaurant openings and they all reached out and said how much he affected their lives. That was so special to hear these recollections of him. But it was almost like the pain of his loss didn't hurt as bad then when it was so fresh because it was insulated by all these friends and family trying to keep my sisters and me and my mom together. It was only until six months after he passed away, or even until now, that it got so complicated in processing. I'll never forget when my little sister came to visit me here in New York City, and we were sitting in a coffee shop when she said, it's kind of like we can see Thestrals now. For those of you who don't know, a Thestral is a creature in Harry Potter That is this like skeletal winged horse that can only be seen by those who have witnessed death. And it's kind of a bonding moment in in the Harry Potter series when Luna Lovegood says to Harry, I think it's like the fourth or fifth book, but she turns to him and says to Harry when she sees that he can see them too, that those terrifying animals she can also see and it's because they've both seen death. And so when my sister said this to me, she's like, we can see Thestrals now. I was like, yeah, we see something now that people who haven't been through major tragedies don't 
understand. So what I'm getting at here is that grief or the feeling that you have after a major loss can actually unite you with others who have been through that too. And just just when you think you're fine, suddenly you're not. Just when you think you're fine, you're not. That's literally the quote that my mom said to me today when we were talking about this. How you kind of always are on the edge of everything falling apart again when you remember what happened or are triggered. She mentioned how it was such a thing for her to get her hair done. Something so simple like that. And come home and how my dad would say how nice it looked. And it reminded him... Um, it reminded me of, so when she, when she told me this, it reminded me of how I'd be on the phone with him and he'd be like, wow, your mom's getting her, her hair done today. And you know how nice it looks when she's, when she does that. And I was like, oh yeah, her hair, like, you know, that's a random thing, but he always mentioned it. And it's true for my mom that like, that was something that like he really appreciated. So now when my mom goes and gets her hair did, as the kids say, she's reminded that my dad isn't there to say how it looks. And there are so many little things like that, the the little reminders that he's gone. But when you're in the midst of dealing with loss and trying to function, you learn how to not think about it. Like when I was at a casting the other day, I ran into this girl I hadn't seen in years. She asked me what was new in my life, and I smiled and said nothing major. But the reality was that since I had seen her last, my dad died and my world had been put on hold. And in that moment, I was equipped to say nothing was up because I knew I couldn't go down that rabbit hole. I wasn't emotionally prepared to say like what had happened. I feel like something happened to my brain where I immediately learned how to split it in half. The side that just carries on and the side that is ballistic and unstable due to losing him like that. And so when I'm in everyday encounters, I have to turn on the stoic, able, normal me that can talk about this event rationally. Because otherwise, what people don't see is this devastated, lost side. But luckily, this is something my mom and I have realized is very valuable And that's the idea of being able to talk about this whole thing over and over and over again with friends. And for her, she's still very close with her roommate from when she was in her 20s. And she was saying how the best part about their friendship is that her friend just listens. And I thought about how I have that with my running teammate, one of my friends, Jim Eisman, who was on the show a couple episodes ago where we sit there and talk about this whole processing of trauma and grief and losing my dad all the time. And sometimes when you're processing, you just have to keep talking about it until you can understand it better. And I guess it's been a year and a half of talking about it, but it never really goes away. When you go through a major tragedy, it changes you forever. But it also makes you appreciate certain memories and can even help you tap into the supernatural. Like it's been, I've been so much more of a listener for my dad's guidance in a way that I am now that I can't, like I can't actually call him up, but I'm still seeking him out. 
it will be the middle of the night and I'll get up to grab a drink of water or go to the bathroom or something. And in that sleepy, hazy state, I'll think, dad, like, are you there? And feel perceptive to guidance. It's weird, but it's what happened after he died. I still am like like yearning for that, that like contact. And so all I can say is that if you've been through it, then you understand. And there's a community of us, people who have seen death that were in this together. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very like dark thing to go through. But I just want to take a second to read some of the comments that people are putting through the live stream. Somebody said, let me see. She said, oh, Chris says, uh, thanks for sharing. I lost my father suddenly when I was at the age of 19. That visual, seeing him in the hospital, still messes with me four years later. So that's exactly what I was talking about. That idea, like that visual, that visual, it's so screwed up. And like when I got the call, um, you know, I, I was, I got the call that like my dad wasn't doing okay. And, you know, when he was on vacation and stuff. And I was sitting there like, do I just take a flight down to, I don't know. Like, do I just, is it worth the money to go down to the hospital? Is he going to be fine? Like, it's like one of those things like, is he dehydrated? I don't know. But then when, you know, suddenly all my, my four sisters, all of them were jumping on planes to go down to this hospital to see what was up. And then when they slowly but surely one by one started arriving and giving me feedback and they were like, Lucy, it's really bad that visual of like what they were seeing that was really bad I couldn't see that and I couldn't be part of that so I stayed put in New York but part of me thinks that that maybe uh, altered how I'm able to process the grief now because I didn't actually see what they saw they saw a no longer their coherent father I never saw that. The last I saw my dad, I was at my sister's wedding and we were all having a great time. Like, you know, there was no, I couldn't picture him like that. This is like somebody who was like not even in his 60s yet. He was 58 years old. So to think that he just suddenly dropped out, it's like just doesn't process. And so that's what I was getting at with like my brain split in half is like it just didn't, it didn't process. Like half of me sees it, half of me doesn't. But anyway, so yeah. For those of you tuning in right now, um, I just like hashed out how I felt about the whole grieving process and how I'm still in the throes of it. I mean, everyone in my family still is like, even though it's been a year and a half, we're all still shattered by this whole thing, Um, losing our father so suddenly, so tragically. But I think it's uh, important to shed light on the idea that like grief comes in a lot of different phases and it's not so linear like little things like I think my sister mentioned how she tweeted about how she can't be watching a show that has to do with the dad dying and here I am kind of like yeah that makes sense but then I watched the Lion King trailer that's supposed to come out this summer the new Lion King and when the dad obviously we've all seen the Lion King, the dad dies and says like this is just the circle of life or something. You see the dad, the dad's spirit, the lion spirit, and I'm like, oh my god, and destroyed for a day. So this idea that like little things like that can trigger you of the dad dying in a show, even Game of Thrones for Pete's sake, like the first season when the dad's head gets like I don't want to give anything away, but like the dad, the Stark family dad, like. You're just like, wait, 
dads dying in shows is a huge trigger for me and I don't want to be I don't want to like see that so because it puts you out for a while but anyway so I guess that's a good place to end it (laughs) um be sure to like uh give me any feedback I love when you guys share my show on your Instagram and anytime you share it I'll reshare it on my story uh thanks for tuning in I have a race on Sunday. If you happen to be in New York City and you're listening to this in time, uh, come cheer. And if you say something like, Vikings, go fast, or anything, I'll really appreciate it to run faster. Um, So yeah, until next time, just be fast. Just win.